0: greet you in Jesus' name this morning <clears throat> I was in the in relation to Sunday school lesson I was in the kitchen the other day and we were discussing actually donations of food etc and the cook said our ministry is solidly behind us and that was thought provoking when a minister knows that congregation is solidly behind them that is a tremendous feeling if the congregation knows that the ministry is solid behind them that is tremendously rewarding so we're on it together goes all ways all on the same side, going the same direction. Turn with me your Bibles this morning to Psalm 19. This is in the third of a series of false teaching, and I'm not sure if it's going to be the last of the series or not, but if it's not, it'll be next to the last, so anyhow. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is going out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a young strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and a circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Divine revelation of God to man. Tremendous as we look at God in nature. Uh, I think last past Thursday, Friday, we got a gamma burst from the sun. Do you read that in the news? Uh, a huge one. Like when it exploded out of the sun, I think it went uh, 150,000 miles or something. And Paul informed me that the uh, a phenomenon like that would, if harnessed, could provide all the electrical needs of the world for a hundred billion billion years in one verse. Incredible how God has revealed himself to us. Verse 7, the law of the Lord, uh, this is switching to God's word, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now that's about six or seven sermons right there, but we won't go there this morning. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter th- also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Divine revelation from God. His word, and it tells us what it does, and it tells us that it leads us to success, and it tells us all the blessings of being able to take God's word, apply it to our life, And come out right. It warns us, the Bible says in verse eleven, keeping of them there is great reward. And then he asks the question Who can understand his errors? Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. So he's talking about errors. Then he moves on to presumptuous sin, which cannot be classified as an error. He says, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sin. Protect me from them. Let them not overtake me. And then I'll be upright. And I shall be innocent from, and here's a description, the great transgression. You know, when I say, hear somebody say the, it means, it tends to mean that, like there's only one. You know, when we're over, when we're, over, when we're uh, how can I say, when we're immersed in something. Like if, if your daughter's getting married and somebody says, the wedding. Now, you know that's not the only wedding that's happening that day, but in your life, that's the wedding. You don't have to keep saying, Sandra's wedding all the time, every time, and just describe. It's the wedding, or if somebody dies, it's the funeral, at that particular point in time. The great transgression. Of all of them, what is the great transgression? That is presuming, the great transgression, if I understand this this right, is presuming on God. To, To be presumptuous is simply overstepping due. Bounds. Now socially, I just use illustration. If you're a Walmart and you're in line, like four carts in line, and you only have two registers open, and you're in line, and you're ready, for, you're supposed to be the next one, and somebody brings their cart in and just like cuts it in front of you, that's presumption folks, it is overstepping due bound. You don't cut into the line, you know, you see that on the freeway, you know, this back traffic back up and so everybody keeps in their place and there's some joker comes up along the side and he goes all the way up and then there's a semi that can't Get started quick enough, so he he cut in, you know, and he takes like a half a mile of waiting, and that tests my Christian attitudes. Like people like that, oh. Till one day I'm flying down the freeway, and there's two lanes of traffic backed up, and I'm thinking, what? Well, I wonder what they're all backed up for. And I get down there, and it's like a half a mile of this stuff. And I get down there, and it says I-80 to Iowa. And there's two lanes to go to Iowa, I-80 to Iowa. <coughs> and I'm not neither one of them. And I figure out what's happening, and so I just cut in there. It's like, overstepping due bounds and not a half a mile of traffic. I, I overstepped my due bounds. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't back up as my only option, but I felt terrible. I felt bad. <clears throat> Turn with me to uh, Numbers 15. So we have sin, it can be done in ignorance. Error, it can be done in error, and it can be done presumptuously. Now we're going to get an idea of how God looks at the difference between those two. We're talking about false teaching this morning, and we're talking about taking God's Word and going over past due bounds with it. All right? That's where I'm headed for. Numbers 15, 22. And if ye have erred, and not observed all these commandments which the Lord has spoken unto Moses, even all that the Lord had commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day that the Lord commanded Moses, and henceforth among your generations, then it shall be, if ought be committed by ignorance, without the knowledge of a congregation, that all the congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor unto the Lord, with his meat offering and his drink offering, according to the manner, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be, give, shall be forgiven them, for it is ignorance. And they shall bring their offering, a sacrifice made by fire to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their ignorance. But it shall be forgiven all the congregation of the children of Israel, and the stranger that sojourneth among them, seeing all the people who were in ignorance. And if a soul sinned through ignorance, Then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly, when he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord, to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. But the soul that doeth ought presumptuously oversteps their due bounds Whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord. And that soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he hath despised the word of the Lord, and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day, and they found him gathering sticks. Then they found him gathering and back up. And they that Found him, gathering sticks, brought him unto Moses and Aaron, unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward, because it was not declared what should be done to them. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp, and stoned him with stones, and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. And then he says, They should put fringes on their garments. From there on the end of the chapter, and so that they remember the laws of God and who they are, and, and that ye seek not after your own heart. And guess what happened next in chapter 16? Blatant sin. Of presumption, Korah, Dathan, Abiram—you know that story—and I won't go there. Accusing Moses, falsely accusing him, etc. I often thought, you know, well, you know, I just kind of always imagine, well, they stoned somebody. You know, it might have been fifty people around, and they stoned him until they died, and they. Then they went home. Well here it says, the whole congregation stole on the stone. Now, if you had two million people and they all grabbed a stone and he stone each through one, wouldn't that be a monument? I'm telling you, that'd be a monument to presumptuous sin. But that's how God looks at it. If we know what God wants, the man knew he wasn't supposed to be picking up sticks. And you say, such a small thing, just picking up sticks on Sunday. They were told, don't pick up sticks on Sunday. And he went out and picked up sticks on Sunday anyhow. Now, we t- we're talking about false teaching, and I want to be careful this morning, because we can develop a mentality of elitism. Now, we would never get caught in these false teachings. So, you know, we've kind of arrived here, in these poor people that, you know, if they're caught up in, in false teaching, well, obviously they're going to hell. All right, and We can get very judgmental. However, remember, God views error different than he views presumptuous sin. So I'm not going to stand up here and say anybody that's caught up in false teaching is going to hell. That's That's God's job. But I do say, when we know And don't do. And we overstep our due bounds and we take a Bible principle and we push it till it becomes a false teaching. God takes very, very, very dim view of that. So it's a challenge to me. We as God's people maybe we understand these things and we're going to go through a lot of things this morning I don't know if we're going to get through them all or not but we have a moral obligation to understand because someone is in false teaching that we can help alleviate them from their ignorance from their lack of knowing maybe they've always been taught that way let's not be judgmental Let's not be elitist. Think that we have it all together. Let's be humble. Let's be honest. Because it's... When we have our own self involved in our existence here on earth, we always have the inclination... To get it wrong. So we're going to start with false teachings in relation to God. And I'm going to try to move along here today. And and, uh, I don't look that get done, but that's fine. Anyhow. False teachings in relation to God. Theistic evolution. And I'm just going to go down through a list here this morning. Just stimulating our minds to help us to, to... just renew some of these things, theistic evolution, where people believe that yes uh God was involved now it just didn't all happen by chance, but God was involved, and God used millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years, and so he kind of overshadowed this whole evolution process and uh um, you know a day isn't a day, you know a day's million years, billion years, or whatever, so You can't really take that. Um, Kinda, I don't know if that implies God doesn't have the capability of just doing what he wants to do in the creation or what? Uh, On the secretary's little desk there, she had a little saying I believe in the Big Bang theory. God said it, and bang, it was done. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And and I want to say this list is certainly not all inclusive, but we're just going to go down through it. Anti-Trinitarianism, where it's just God, or it's just Jesus, or Um, focusing on the Holy Spirit to the expense of the life of Jesus, whatever, you know. And um, you know, just recently I heard of a relative that decided he needed to be baptized in the name of Jesus alone. Um, That's false teaching. We serve a triune Godhead. Another false teaching in relation to God. Well, there's more ways to get to God than one. So you God your way you know it's like this mountain and, and God's on top you know so so these people they get up there they go to the God their way and the God this way and God this way and you get to God this way and, and uh, you know you can have all these religions scattered around this big mountain getting to God the same way or you can be in the same congregation okay you get to God your way I get to God my way and we all get to God and we're all, all uh, we're all going to get there Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's only one way. If I said that, I could be counted as arrogant. But Jesus said, only one way. False teachings about man. Man's basically good. I read a couple years ago in a conservative Mennonite periodical that you only have to dig deep enough and you find the good in everybody. The core is good. All you got to do is dig deep enough. No, no, no. No, no. Now understand the biblical principle of overlooking other people's faults, considering yourself lest you also be tempted and all that kind of stuff. But folks, man is basically evil. We have an in-evil bent. Let's never forget it. There's any way Satan can disarm God's people is to believe that we're basically good. You know what he does? He just lulls you to sleep. All these problems I have on the outside, that's just a veneer, but way down and deep, I'm okay. I'm okay, and you're okay. All we have to do is dig deep enough, and we'll find what's okay. And that's bad enough as adults. Folks, let's remember those children, those babies on our lap have a bend to evil. Let's never, never entertain for one second. We'll let them go and somehow they're going to be all right in the end. No, no. Now understand they're saved. All right? But they're not basically good. They are not basically good. Or we have man as his own God. That false teaching, humanism... 1933 human humanistic man uh, the humanist manifesto 1933 and there was a humanist manifesto number two in 1973 and if you want to read probably the most ungodly piece of literature ever written read uh, the humanist manifesto I didn't know what it was I went to the library and Got it from the interlibrary loan, and I, unbelievable. And by the way, John Dewey signed it. The Founder of the public school system. Got it all going, one of them. Signed the Humanist Manifesto. We don't need God. People with intelligence will find their help in better ways. People who, I'm paraphrasing this people who believe in God they just need a crutch the poor souls anybody with any kind of intelligence would know that we can get along without it which humanism uh, led to the new age which brought in eastern religion and we have all that mixture and our in our country today, the New Age Movement, where we are our own God. And all you have to do is find it. You have to investigate. And you have to meditate. You have to do all these things. And then you will find yourself. And you will empower yourself to be great enough to control you and your destiny. And we don't need this heaven thing to motivate us false teachings about man sinless perfection you know i can be a christian and i can grow in my christian life and after a while i can come to a place where i'm okay when I was done this I was thinking well maybe I should pull all these out and, and I mean pull out probably what I think maybe would haunt us the most and then I thought no I'll let the Holy Spirit do that do I ever get to the point where I think I'm okay <clears throat> false teaching about salvation Calvinism false teaching about salvation total depravity I am so depraved I can't even make a decision for God there isn't a flicker of inclination. Unconditional election. People who will be saved will be saved. And that's the end of that. If you are one of them, you're fortunate. If you happen not to be one of them, then you are unfortunate. And so you have a limited atonement. So the atonement was made for certain people and other people... Because of God's foreknowledge, and they just—they weren't atoned for, and then you have irresistible, irresistible grace. So, the ones that God decided before the foundation of the world is going to be saved, they will be saved. I mean, they—will they want to or not? God will put them in a position where he—they—they they will be saved. And in perseverance of the saints. Unconditional eternal security. So once I'm saved then, because I have been determined to be, uh, predetermined to be saved, then I can do whatever I want. Because I'll make it. We have salvation by works. Legalism. You know, if I do the right thing, if I just do the right thing and I do the right works, then God's kind of obligated to allow me to go to heaven. So I work and I work and I work and I work. Salvation by works. Or baptismal generation, regeneration. Well, I'm baptized. I mean, I'm a member of the church, and so then I'm saved. False teaching. We don't believe in baptismal regeneration. Or sacramentalism, where I take communion, and so then I'm saved. So I, uh, if I do the right thing, and I, and I uh, am baptized, and I take communion, surely I'm going to go to heaven. close related to legalism, is asceticism. Where, you know, all these things that I would have legitimate right to, if I deny myself of that, then, then I am what God wants me to be. And so the more I do that, the more godly I am. Anybody here been to the Effort of Cloisters? So what do they do? What happened there? What did they sleep on? Remember, huh? Hard wood. Hard wood, just planks, and, and no, and no, uh, no pillow either. Was it just flat board? And if I recall, the doors were about this high or something. Was that right? Is my memory serving me right? About this high. So you don't want to have the luxury of going through a door when it, you know and that's just too easy. So every door, you go down through this and you get back up again. And of course, you know, you wouldn't want to enjoy life very much, so that means you can't get married. So guess what happened in the effort of cloisters? Why is it empty today? Asceticism, Philosophy that leads to severe self-denial and subordinating, subordinating the body to the control of the moral attributes of the mind. So my spiritual spirituality is up here, and so the more I make myself miserable, then the more godly I am. Now the Spirit ex- speaketh expressly that in the latter times shall some shall come, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. God gave us a heads up. Ceticism? Don't get married, don't eat meat, don't do all these things? That becomes your religion. False teachings about salvation. False teachings in regards to the organization of the church. Independence from brotherhood. One person I know said, they can excommunicate me out of the church, but they can't excommunicate me out of the church. They can excommunicate me out of the prairie but they can't excommunicate me out of the church of Christ. Really? Is the church of Jesus Christ an entity not seen? If the church of Jesus Christ isn't people and organization on the earth, then what is it? False teaching in regards to organization of church is anti-standardism, anti-authority. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to violate my basic right to personal freedom. I can do what I want, I can do what I want, I can wear what I want, I can do all these things, and nobody can tell me what to do. Does that work in church? Does that work in Congress, United States? Does that work at Walmart, Quick Trip? To live and relate to other people, there has to be an understanding how things are going to operate, or you're going to have total chaos. Now, understand, and we all understand, that you could go the other way where everybody's cookie cutter and nobody can think for themselves. Church organization? Well, whatever the preacher says is all right. So if, if the leader is thinking certain ways, then that's the way everybody does. Or you can have, well, if the Holy Spirit told me to do this, like a spirit-led thought, if the Holy Spirit told me to do something, then then that's the way I do it. And so we, we, we either lean on a glorified leader of some sort to have the last word, or we lean on my emotional uh, experience of some sort to be the last word. But where does the Bible come in? See, that's anti-Bible. Thus saith the Lord, does not come from my experience. Thus saith the Lord, does not come from a leader. Thus saith the Lord, comes from the Bible. And we all need to subject ourselves to that and cheerfully follow it. And you have equal spiritual responsibilities for women. Uh, Pastors in the church, etc., Um, false teachings in regard to the future. There can't be a hell. God's too loving for that. It's impossible for, for a loving God to put somebody into hell. The lady knocked on my door one time and she said, there's going to be two classes of people at the end of the world. The people believe in hell and the people don't believe in hell. And I said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you want to be identified with every person in this, on this face of this earth that don't believe in hell? Would you fit in that category? So I take everybody that don't believe in hell, you put them all together, and we're all we're all together. You know, we're, we're we're good. we are this class of people? Well, no. I say you know what? I don't know that I want to be identified with everybody that believes in heaven either. Just because we believe, believe in heaven, don't make us the fact that we're going to heaven, that doesn't make us living in the will of God just because we believe in heaven. Right. False teaching in regard to the future. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, it's just too idealistic and so obviously it has to do with some future age. That's uh, Schofield? Isn't that right, right? false teachings about Christian belief and practice false freedom and liberty as Christians we're free you ever hear of the word hedonism we live in a very hedonistic society I didn't say heathenism I said hedonism we live in a very hedonistic society Hedonism means the doctrine that pleasure or happiness is the sole or chief good of man. A way of life based on or suggesting the principles of hedonism. And that was challenging me to think. If I'm coming up, I guess a decision that I need to make, do I base that decision on is it right, is it wrong, or do I base it on what is going to leave me the most comfortable? You see, our culture is very hedonistic. America today, primarily, the majority of the people are making their decisions on, is it going to make me happy? Is it going to make me happy? Not that I actually believe that, but I live a lifestyle that suggests that. That my comfort, my happiness, determines my decisions. Not whether it's right or whether it's wrong. You have, we have the wealth gospel, materialism. A doctrine that only or the highest values or objectives lie in material well-being and the furtherance of material progress. Definition two, a preoccupation with or stress upon material rather than intellectual or spiritual things. See, materialism, I always went between the material and the spiritual, but according to the dictionary, it can be intellectual too. And that was kind of, it kind of got me thinking. You know, we can say, well, I'm not materialistic, So I don't let my children go past X grade. Because I don't want them to be materialistic. However, I can be very materialistic and say, I won't let my children go past X grade because I need them home and I need them to be making some money, okay? Get it? That working is more important than the intellectual learning. We could go in ditches and eat cider, all right? But because I would limit my family to only go X amount of grades, does not prove that I'm not materialistic. I can be very materialistic. And I think that rubs off on our children if we think that school is a nuisance and that learning is a waste of time. And the sooner we can get them through, as soon as we can get them to, and just meet the letter of the law, whatever, and then we can get them out and we can start using them to make us some money. And our children will pick up on that. Our children will pick up on that. To where the learning is, is it's just an inconvenience. And the quicker we can get out and start making our money, the better off we're going to be in the long haul. Another false belief in practices, anti-works religion. we had talked about, well, if I do the right thing, well then we on the other side, well, you know, nothing I can do. And so it's my faith that's going to take me to heaven. My faith's going to take me to the, only believe, only believe. Or we can have selective obedience. <coughs> we obey what is convenient, and the rest we kind of uh, embrace, but doesn't somehow get into practice. I can partially obey, or I can selectively obey. another one is no need for evangelism false teaching people believe that you know the Bible says when everybody's heard then Jesus is going to return so you don't want to let everybody know because this Jesus coming back is pretty scary so you just kind of it's good to keep a percentage of them ignorant, you know, because that way we just kind of hold this thing at bay. Or, you know, we're all right. That's okay. That's, that's all we need. You know, we don't nearly, really obligated to tell anybody. False teaching? Flat Bible theology and practice. When you have a flat Bible and you carry it like this, then you come up with Christian patriotism, Christian rights. It's our obligation to go out there and and protest in Washington. It's our obligation to go out there and make sure that the world turns out right and it's our obligation to go out there and fight and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. You have the false teaching that if you're truly a Christian you will be physically healthy. And if you aren't physically healthy, something's wrong with your faith somewhere. Because God wants everybody to be healthy. That's what he wants, they say. So if I'm physically sick, then obviously I'm spiritually sick. And you poor soul. Why would you even have to go to the doctor? All you got to do is pray. And if you pray and it don't work, that means you don't have enough faith. Oh, wow. It's quite an encouraging scenario, isn't it? You just go round and round and round. Pietism. An overemphasis on religious experience. So I had this experience with God, and God told me a certain, certain thing, and you can't argue with it. You can't tell me because I experienced it. You didn't experience it. I experienced it. And so that's the way it is. So if in my experience, God confirms my idea by a sign, oh, then I'm really good to go. Now we know that our relationship with God is certainly an experience. But can you base the Christian life on feelings? On experience? Modernism and postmodernism. There's no truth, they say. There's absolutely no truth. Everything is fluid. Everything is fluid. What's true for you might not be true for me. What's true for me might not be true for you. And so the whole thing turns into mush. There's no objective truth. There's nothing. You can't say. This is right and this is wrong. It's impossible, the modernists and the postmodernists say. So what happens? What is morality? Drawing a line. God draws a line. He says, this is right, this is wrong. We live in a culture... Not drawing a line. Sad to say, too much of, in quote, Christianity is not drawing a line. Do I draw a line? Do I allow the Bible to speak to my life and say, no, you don't go there? social gospel. Oh, you know, if we all get together, we all become friends, and then, you know, and we can influence them a little bit, and then we're all good and okay. Modern, a lot of modern psychology methods. Self-esteem. You know, if a person has a problem with sin, and they're doing the wrong thing, and they're uh, run around with neighbor's wife, or, well, that's because they don't feel good about themselves, and so you got to pat them on the back and say, "Well, you're worth more than all that," and and you know you just got this image problem, and you don't see yourself like you really are. You're a lot better than actually what you already are, and so you got to pump up their self-esteem, and once you pump up their self-esteem, then they'll behave better. Really. Or the reason the way you are is not you. It's because you're grandpa or your are dad or your uncle or you're this or you're that. And so, so we sit down and you tell me your story and I tell you who did you wrong. See, and once you understand how you, who all did you wrong, then you, you can understand your behavior. And then and so then you sit down and you say, Well, Uncle Joe said that I was worthless. Oh my, when I was seven years old. So how did you feel about Uncle Joe's statement? Well, I was kinda of disappointed. Well you think Uncle Joe taught me all this and, and did your feelings, you know, did they did, you know, they get a little worse over time, they get better over time? And, and, you know, and how do you do this and this and everything's psychoanalyzed to the point. What are you going to do with your sin? What are you going to do with your savior? Now I can oversimplify that all right. I'm not saying there's not things you go back, but just sit down and try to find who did me wrong 50 years ago 30 years ago whatever we have biblical principles of forgiveness bitterness God has it there it may not be easy to work through it may be difficult to work through but there's adequate principles in this book that we can apply to understand the good that we've been dealt out in life and to understand the bad. Many alternative medicine practices, and I'm not going to go into that this morning, But brothers and sisters, before you choose an alternative medicine route, make sure it's not tied with the occult. And Eastern religion, something that's anti-God, I just warn you they're not all but there's enough of them out there we need to be very careful false emphasis on charisma he's pumped man and if he's pumped he's definitely a Christian that's it and the people are not pumped well, they can't be Christian. So if a person is charismatic, in a generic sense of the word, I'm not talking about in a definition of a church, but if a person has lots of charisma, he is charismatic in his character, whatever, and he's enthused, and if we say, that, my friend, is the proof of Christianity, that's false teaching. And amazingly enough, I got through the list, and it's 25 to 12. Didn't have to make two of them out of it. It is certainly a challenge as God's people to know the truth and allow it to free us to serve God effectively in his kingdom.